Warning, Serious Business is a podcast about Homestuck. Is that a fucking crime? It wasn't a fucking compliment. <laughs> we should do more call and responses. That was fun. More, <laughs> yeah, that was good. Hello, and welcome to Serious Business, a podcast where the queen is dead. <laughs> My name <laughs> My name is Sam. My pronouns are he and him. And in the upper margin of the MSPA page of this podcast, I'm just eating a bowl of rice in a blanket. I don't know why. It's good. Amazing. <laughs> Hello, my name is Samariel. You can call me Sam. You can call me Ari. Uh, my pronouns are they, them. And uh, boy, howdy, you can catch me in your margins drinking champagne and decorating for Halloween because it's that time, baby. And I'm Bastion. My pronouns are he and they. And in the top third of your screen, you can see me dancing along to the crab rave because the queen is fucking dead. <laughs> <laughs> By the time this episode comes out, it's going to be so freaking dated. It's been so a long dated, time. But, but your prepping for Halloween will be on time. <laughs> Yes! <laughs> It'll be late, I'm already honestly. Wearing, I'm already wearing my bats. I'm ready. I'm in. Halloween starts when it is Sam's birthday, because I have been to Sam's birthday parties, and let me tell you, the difference from a Halloween party, not that much. Not that much. It's like there's been the a same. Couple, there's been a couple of times where, well, uh, there was one year where um, my uncle died, and his funeral was going to be on my birthday rip wow yeah, okay right? <laughs> literally uh and so uh i was really bummed that i wasn't gonna get to have a birthday because it was gonna be you know a funeral a yeah. funeral which like you know i want to support my family but my housemates were like sam we should have your birthday be halloween then and so uh oh maybe i'm just thinking about that one party specifically well it's happened about twice now where your like, uncle has was gonna have his funeral no. on your birthday twice now <laughs> no well no no um i've had two uncles die but one of them died in the summer so it wasn't on my birthday um but which is what matters which is what matters frankly no but uh in that we have had my birthday also become a halloween party okay like when we did in in 2020 when like we did that big uh driveway party that was all decorated with all my Halloween decorations. There was a bloody knife in the cake. I was not at that one. Well, yeah. anyways, all this to say, Halloween starts when my birthday happens. So, I mean, yes, that's like high Halloween. General Halloween we are, starts. We are now in the season of Halloween Rising, and <laughs> yeah, uh, we're in Halloween Rising because I've already reblogged the spooky, scary skeleton sound, and so. Uh, I'm a Valentine's Day sun with a Halloween rising <laughs> in an arbor. Yeah. Moon. Um, <clears throat> Homestuck, though. Homestuck, though. Sorry. Homestuck. I got so caught up in a world where the queen was dead, I forgot that Homestuck exists. <sighs> this week, we read pages 3763 through 3873 of Homestuck. We went to Doc Scratch's apartment, and he told us a story that took a long, long time, even though he could have just been like, Risk is dead. Beep boop. Which also, which also, <laughs> ding dong, Risk is dead. The, the, hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> gonna slurp more champagne? Woo. 
the bottle is already popped, so I can't repop it. But no, this is true. It's fine. That's a child, but also <laughs> blah blah, huge bitch. Um, <laughs> Pretty much. I have had no alcohol today, and I am feeling like I have. So. Yeah, you, that's <laughs> not sure what's up with energy this. you are coming at me with, which I kind of enjoy. Does Doc Scratch drink? Yes. No, he don't got no mouth. But you know he is into port, though. A nice Porto. <laughs> which, which just makes me picture him, like, standing, like, with, like, the one arm behind the back, and then just sort of, whoops, across his ball surface, just letting it drip down just, onto like, the Just, like, pouring floor. red wine over a cue ball. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> do you think that stains? Probably. Okay, the let me do my joke sure. now. Doc Scratch only drinks the blue liquid out of Magic 8-Balls. <laughs> uh, minor tangent, feel free to cut this, but uh, we went to a restaurant that had, like, paper table mats, like, tablecloth, mm -hmm. and my mom was like, oh, this is so fun, and we, we had pens, because we also had to do, like, a ballot mm -hmm. thing. And so she was like, draw a picture. Everybody draw a picture. Um, and then I would do it. And then we came it. back to the restaurant, and they were framed on the <laughs> I I didn't want to draw a picture because my mom was being a little obnoxious about it. And she's like, oh, try to try to draw a picture upside down so I can see it. Because she was sitting across from me. And I was like, okay. Okay, Deborah, I'll do that. And then I took my pen and I drew, I drew a circle. And I drew another circle. Mm -hmm. I filled in the outer like rim and I drew an eight in the middle. And I was like, look, it's an eight ball. <laughs> I drew upside down. Nice. <laughs> I was very nice, proud nice. of myself. <laughs> My mom raised a bunch of snarky-ass kids. <laughs> Speaking of snarky-ass bitches, Doc, Doc Scratch. Scratch. Holy and hell. Briska. Yeah, I mean, Vriska, yes, but Doc Scratch especially in this section is so... Moffat genius. <laughs> wow, holy shit. You've done it. You've reduced Doc Scratch to his bare essential. He's like, oh, I'm so smart and cool and I'm amazing. Like, at one point, he even says, like, oh, it's because of my amazing charisma and all this other stuff. And it's like, shut the fuck up. I want to okay, strangle you. but is the Doc Scratch self-incest? Inc <laughs> what? Hang on. Welcome to Drunk Serious Business, the podcast where none of us are drunk and yet... <laughs> Is the Doc Scratch insert worse than the Andrew Hussey insert? Signs yes. point to yes. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Sam, God, I, we're on fire. I love your brain. Thanks. We're on fire. We haven't started talking. <laughs> I know it's great. <laughs> so, so yeah, it, where we last left off, it was like, ah, oh, you need to go see the doctor and. Uh, so we go to visit the doctor because the second disc of Homestuck has been scratched. Doctor who? <laughs> so that's where the Moffat came in. Okay. Um, anyways, but yeah, so. And you immediately see a thing that says, Ah, oh, you rang? That was a joke, of course. You didn't. I don't have a doorbell, remember? <laughs> well, it's the ha-ha, hee-hee-hoo-hoo of Lil' Cal, but it... Can you say ha-ha, hee-hee-hoo-hoo in that, like, ha -ha, laughing? Hee -hee Thank you. There you go. But yeah, and then he just sort of... So 
what happens when you enter Doc Scratch's department is everything changes. Yeah, so let's talk about the changes to the site that yes. happen in this section, and yeah. then we can talk about what happens in this section. Yes. So first off, we move into Doc Scratch's apartment. And what the site does when that happens is, well, I should say, what the MSPA site did when that happened was that the ad banner that was above like the info on the site became replaced with a view of Scratch's apartment. So when you're reading this on the Viz site or on the Homestuck browser, you just get a second panel above the thing. Mm -hmm. But what happened and the the and I'm real sad that like Viz just hasn't put an ad banner there on the rest of the pages and instead it's on the sidebar because the experience of going oh, that's an ad banner. Like, that's where the ad banner was. I don't need to pay attention to it. And then having things happen there yes. is a very good, like, like it's a good, like, it's one of those things where Homestuck's like, I didn't know it could do that. And now it's going to do it a lot, right? Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's it's really cool to just like, oh, yeah, there was an ad here. And now it's an important panel for the story. And for the first bit, it's frozen. And you're like, okay, I don't need to pay attention to this. But as soon as you're accustomed to it, that's when things start happening there. Mm -hmm. I, I assumed that was what happened. Like, it, it, it looks like an ad banner of some mm -hmm. variety. And I was like, and I, I think I remember you guys mentioning something about that. Of like yeah. The ad banners being a part of it. And so when it happened, I was like, oh, okay, that's pretty clever. And there were a couple of times where, like, I was just reading the story and then there would be, because sometimes, we'll, we'll talk about it when we get there mm -hmm. more or less, but there would be, like, a single panel referencing the action that is happening up top yes and i would realize oh i haven't been paying attention to what's yes. been going on up top and i'd go back go back go back go back and then just watch what's happening and i was like oh okay nice which is very clever and i do really like that and that's the experience of reading these pages now but i assume that when it was happening live and i was not in the fandom at this point and bastion i don't know if you were not quite um, yet okay but like i read comics right and when you are reading comic books month to month as new issues drop you read the issue and then you go back and you look through the little details that might be hinting at things. Right. And so I imagine that the like fandom was going wild for having multiple storylines running parallel on these pages, because at the end of the section, we're up to three. Mm -hmm. At first it's very interesting. And then after a while, as it goes on, as each of the stories kind of expands, it starts mm -hmm. to become kind of overwhelming and difficult to manage. Oh yeah. I will say absolutely. That. Um, while we're still here on sure. talking about the page, the background of the page, oh, yeah, like the, the background of our episode changed. art is now green. <laughs> if I've done my job correctly. Um, and then you. the narration here is now just scratch talking. Um, and it's still the, white, but the world around it has changed to be readable. Yeah. The, on that, on the first delicious. page where it turns green, scratch says, um, I trust you'll find my voice is more palatable against this decor. I continue to be an excellent host. Um, yeah, it is a real shame that the browser has not captured that because the browser maintains the um, sort of default dark and light gray of the MSPA site um, and just changes Scratch's text to black instead of keeping it white. Which is really weird to me it for... Does. It did for Bastion when I was over at his house. Mine doesn't. No? His text okay. is still white for me. Wait, but no. is the background green or is it still the gray? No, the background's super green. Okay. 
So there's oh. probably just an option or something you missed. There, yeah, it must be a setting I have. Huh. Well, never mind. I Good. I'm glad that happened yeah. because I was going to say for a piece of internet archival work as comprehensive as the Homestuck browser is, I would be surprised that didn't happen. I can send you screenshots, but yeah, the whole, everything changes. It becomes green, the white text shows up, and like it, it's it's very elaborate and I do... I do really like that. I like the the manipulation of the medium itself, which is very cool. Yeah. Um, and then finally which, the... I know we're probably not going to get... I'm sorry. I know we're not, probably not going to get any more books. I do wonder what the books would have had to do to make this work. Well, I mean, use a lot of ink, I think. There are... <laughs> in In, like, the Flash games of the books, like, the background of the page was, like, a static image with, like, the panels on top of it. And I don't think it would be that different from that. It would just be with the green instead. Oh, no, uh, but I mean, I, like, the action. With the action, yeah. I do think that it that is uh, part of the reason that the books ended where it did. Because that would have to change the layout dramatically if you're dealing with a sure. panel of a different aspect ratio. I think they might have just run it along the top. It's possible. It's possible, but once they start changing, I feel like they would do multiple. Like, because if you're running it along the top and then you just have one panel with narration on the bottom, that's a bit not super great use of space, and it's going to take you a real long time to get through all the doc scratch interlude. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think that would have been like, given given what the books have already shown, they can. Yeah, adapt, sure. I I feel like they would have found. They would have thought of yeah. something like probably actually pretty clever workaround um, yeah at viz give us another book to show us what you're doing with yeah, this at viz if you're not going to maintain the site properly at least give us some fucking books god damn bastion all Get right they ask yes um Anyways. finally the uh commands in this section are not commands but uh it's More just dialogue, scratch yeah. talking and it they're preceded by the uh brackets with the o in it for scratch's head um and later on when it's when scratch isn't talking they are just tick or talk because uh scratch has a big old grandfather clock in this space as we will see later it's magic kind of i don't know whatever anyways so yeah you go to his apartment and he's like, mm, well, this disc is badly damaged. I guess I'll have to fix this for you. It'll take some time, so I'll just sort of give you the cliff notes of what happened. But also, I'm going to do it elaborately and just take my real fucking sweet time doing it. I'm like, all right, here we go. Yeah, he, he also says how much time he thinks it will take to repair the disc. I'm just going to read this page. It's a long thing. Do it. It will take time, though. I estimate, by which I mean I am certain by way of omniscience, that when I am done, we will have reached just shy of the green circle on the card above. I'm sure you have already presumed this mark represents the beginning of Act 6. The disc should be ready to run in time to witness the critical event, a confluence of thickly interwoven, a-concurrent circumstances which have been meticulously arranged by myself, influenced to a much lesser extent by you, and by even more negligible degree, our heroes. The scratch will be healed in time to watch these heroes put into motion, yes, the scratch itself. Which it's also interesting that um, Doc Scratch here talks about how he has arranged all these story beats because we then later see that he's keeping them all in a scrapbook. <laughs> like he's literally arranging them in the scrapbook yeah. that we... <laughs> 
he's making the next Viz book. <laughs> That's what's happening. <laughs> what's happening. Doc Scratch <laughs> published the next Viz book. Anyway, so Doc Scratch is like, oh yeah, you wanted to know what's up with Friska and Terezi. Let's go take a trip and watch my TV. What is in fact up with Friska and Terezi is they're doing their coin flip and uh, Friska flies off. She gets lucky. Yeah. Specifically, we know that the threat of death was on the line and both Vriska and Terezi knew that yeah. when Terezi said, scratch you go, what she meant was, scratch I kill you before you can fly away and give Jack our position. And what we see here is that uh, Vriska manipulated goes, the flip. Bet you won't. <laughs> and Vriska is correct that Terezi can't do it. Uh, and then we switch to the fight between Rose and Jack. We switch from one hero of light to another. And there's some real, like, the the parallels between the two are being laid on quite thick here. And actually, this sequence was originally supposed to be a Flash animation called Heroes of Light Strife. But according to Hussey, the planned animation would have been a major escalation in production value. The sophistication of these animations has increased over time. And mm. part of the point of this for me is to keep pushing the envelope. But there are limits to how far you can go. It's good to keep pushing your limits and test them. But realistically, you have to pull back at some point because that's what a limit is. A line between something you can do and something that was literally impossible. I'm not saying the animation I had in mind was impossible, but it was approaching scary territory. I made a judgment and decided it wasn't worth the energy, all things considered. Mm-hmm. However, uh, it's cool to imagine what might have happened. And also, in the bit where uh, Hussey talks about like the intro to the Rose Jack fight, they say, also, I don't like animating battle scenes, which I think might have had something to do with it. <laughs> like, Because mm-hmm. this is essentially just two battle scenes that are paralleled. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, yeah. So instead, you get a couple of various sequences of Rose fighting Jack, and while she gives a bit of a challenge, she is ultimately defeated. We get a a, a, a Eldritch Sweet Bro and Hella Jeff reference. Yeah, because uh, uh, Doc Doc Scratch says like, "Oh, I warned her. I warned my neophyte protege not to stare into that ball. I warned her, or I told her about the stairs." And then you get Yithignug Brigilith. And uh, you can. I told you, dog. It, but it's in the sweet bro hella Jeff yeah. like text style where you're like, ah, oh, that's the. Well, of- and and that page has the uh, Rose positioned as the person falling down the stairs as Jack attacks her. Um, also on one of these pages where like the art is the art here is so oh, the good. The art here is gorgeous. Um, specifically like the way the clouds are like overlaid in the background with Rose's purple lightning. Um and the the black just the, the use of the color here is real good um and it happens all with a green background but on one of these pages there is an arm sticking out just in the background all right and then doc uh, scratch literally says moving on yeah well and it's it's also in, right the um i'll remind you that the pacing of my account will be characterized by a reduction in granularity from what you have come to expect by way of an undamaged disc you will imagine the remainder of the duel to be sensational, and I will continue by my steady distribution of facts as if there were pieces of candy poured from a bottomless white hemisphere. The duel ends, the seer dies, the slayer departs, the air comes back to life. This outcome was hardly a point of suspense. Yeah. That's like, how like he talks. Also, that's Doc Scratch saying it, but it's also Hussey being like, I don't want to make any more battle scenes. Yep. 
but we filter it through some dramatic bullshit and then you know yeah it comes well out. and of course doc scratch makes fun of you for being like hey you forgot about the scene of john and carcat's first conversation where john's wearing his windy hoodie right he's like uh of course i didn't <laughs> you fool did you think i know everything because i'm so fucking cool and smart and and of course we get the line um what sort of story would this be with our human hero of breath made to stay a cadaver definitely not one the alpha timeline would allow which uh for times and times to come people were like yeah you know john can't die while the story of homestuck's happening plot armor baby that's kind of what god tier is pretty much plot armor with some chinks yeah but we see in the aftermath of this moment of john and carcat's first conversation as doc scratch narrates john flies up to uh initiate the scratch and he has rose's needle kind strife specibus which is dotted in her blood um and then we get the line from doc scratch which says i'm reasonably convinced of this much when the hero of breath dies for good it won't be as a scoundrel which uh lots of people pointed to and said hey john's gonna die at the end of homestuck because doc scratch said so sure yeah i'm sure he's gonna die a couple more times before this shit is over um, and then Doc Scratch resumes the narrative and moves into the upper panel as he talks about uh, what Risk is doing as she fights Jack. We we see in the upper panel a repeat of uh, the scene that we've seen already with Slick and... Uh... When Spade Slick busts in and tries to hit him with the horse pillar and then Doc Scratch ties it in a knot and gives it back to him. Which again is a good tutorial because we've all, it's an event we've already seen happen in Scratch's apartment. For sure. Yeah. It's, uh, it's good. Yeah. So while the little bit is playing out up top of the, the Spade Slick encounter, we see like Riska flies up to Jack and is all like ready to fight. And then Jack just fucking leaves. Yeah, he follows her magical fairy trail back to the meteor and destroys it and then destroys brings all the kids playing Carcat and Terezi's bodies back with him. Yep. Well, not yet, because there's an interesting spot in between where right, we see the destruction of the meteor in Doc Scratch's head as Doc Scratch moves back into the main panel. And Doc Scratch here is says Apologies for my preoccupation. I have managed to pacify the rowdier of my two other guests with sugary little black dots so that I may continue my narration, but only briefly. In a moment, I will go stand over by my typewriter and teach my neophyte protege the consequences for taking advice from strange men over the internet, while I continue to attend to my second guest, who is you from an earlier point in the story. Remember? And then it goes back to, like, this is the Doc Scratch we were talking to earlier. And so now we are, invo- like, as readers, are involved in a stable time loop within the story. Um, yeah. Which Wortman does note, like, it's a very clever trick that's very unusual, even in works that, like, acknowledge their own fictionalness and play around with time. Like, bringing the reader in mm. in that is unusual and well done yeah meta as fuck doc scratch also has a nice pillow with an embroidered scotty dog on it um and it has no relevance i just wanted to point that out because i think it's cute (laughs) 
There's also a painting of sailing ships with a flying dragon. Uh-huh. Sorry. So then Doc Scratch is like, The two heroes of light had challenged the same Jack Noir, this one straddling the scratch of and about 20 hours of his own time to a circumstantially simultaneous pair of duels. Circumstantial simultaneity is a concept more complex than its temporal analog and is valuable for examining the properties of paradox space. It is the agent responsible for the major cosmic event which pre-extension Alternians came to refer to as the Great Undoing. The same concept rules the innumerable lesser events by which this critical moment shall be catalyzed, including the break, my employer's arrival, the detonation of a very powerful bomb, and my own death. It is an abstraction weaving together the fortunes of otherwise perfectly disparate chronologies, such as those bound to a pair of distinct sessions. It's not fully comprehensible to a mortal mind, and the length I will go to explain it to you will not extend beyond this sentence. But the story will. Yeah, circumstantial simultaneity is when two things happen at the same time in the story. Yep. And it's great. It's great. We're headed to S Cascade, which is the prime example. Oh boy. They might be happening at different points in the timeline. Or in two separate timelines. In the narrative, they're happening at the same time. For us, it's happening right now. So Jack comes back with Karkat and Terezid's dead bodies. We get the Karkat and Terezid dead swirl again. It's very dramatic. Like this, the the art piece, the the picture of the two of their dead bodies with their yeah. blood bladders all over. Like it's because like, you know, Terezid's like role play outfit has the same red as Karkat's blood. And so like the way mm-hmm. the two sort of blend together is like, oh, it's a bit harrowing. Right. Like, it's really a three-color composition. There's the black, there's the red, and there's the teal. And that's yeah. basically all that's in the the frame. Pretty much. Yep. And it, it's a very limited palette uh, that works really well. Yeah. Doc scratches then like, hey, this is one of the blind spots in my vision, so I can't tell you what happens here. But... We can guess, and I'm good at guessing because I'm omniscient, and very few things are new under Paradox Space. Uh, so he walks over to the Till Death manual from the Doomed Timeline, which has Gamzee's honk, honk code in it. Um, he opens it up, and he pulls out a panel of, which which it's his scrapbook that he's been organizing the story in. Um, Doc Scratch released the honk cut. Um, <laughs> thanks. I don't think that one deserved a laugh, but I appreciate that. <laughs> No, uh, I, I liked it. I liked it a lot. He pulls out an image of Rose and Jack fighting and says something about uh, flipping it turnways. Uh, turns it 180 degrees and it turns into an image of Jack and Vriska fighting because S, Heroes of Light, Strife. This entire time, like there, there are multiple pages that happen here. And this entire time in the top third, Spade Select is just swishing gasoline everywhere all over the apartment and uh is uh flicking at a lighter yep thanks yep. um oh there was another note in the workman about the um tilled af manual with the honk code um which is actually attributed to kevin chapowitzki who was involved with the webcomic project ballad he observed that Scratch's manual, which tells the story of Homesuck through a series of sequential still images, is basically a comic book, right? Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Like, we, we, we've we talked about, like, Scratch as sort of the author figure um, or an author figure. 
and mm-hmm. that's another point of like yeah okay this is all sort of coming together and reinforcing that we find out what happens here when Riska rolls eight eights on her dice and uh, the Alternian reads Ancestral Awakening as Riska is turned into a piratey costume which mirrors Mindfang and she gets a sword in addition to her fairy wings. Yeah. It's at the bottom of the page where Riska is like leveling up into her Ancestral Awakening that you get like a thin sliver of Doc Scratch at a fire alarm with like a light flashing in the corner, which is sort of your cue of, hey, look up. The apartment's on fire. Yeah. Yeah. I do. The ancestral awakening is interesting to me now that I'm thinking about it because it's like, what does Vriska do? She cheats. Right. Right. What yeah. is Homestuck? Homestuck is buildings Roman. Vriska has basically cheated right. in herself into to, adulthood. Into adulthood. Mm. Right. Yeah. That's good. What does that mean? No, I'm, well, I'm just trying to think of what the real world equivalent of that is. There, there isn't one. Yeah. It's a video game. Well, obviously. She's gained all the levels. Yeah. I mean, I think there is something to like, Riska has always sort of seen herself as more mature and as right, yeah. head of her peers. Um, mm-hmm. But I think also, like, based on what happens next, like, we can infer that the narrative doesn't see this as like, or or there's a there's a potential reading where the narrative does not justify this um, claimed growth without any of the like emotional growth that should be coming with it, right? Because risk of dies next. Right, which is sort of why the trolls couldn't claim the ultimate reward is because they hadn't gone through any of the emotional labor. Right, so this is a continuation of that, like, you haven't done the work, you don't get the reward. Right. Doc Scratch leaves the outcome of this duel between Riska and Jack unclear because the truth is, it doesn't matter. It's a doomed timeline that Terezi is seeing using her seer of mind powers. As Scratch says, A true seer would know where luck is given, where it is absent, and most importantly, where it doesn't matter at all. What sort of story would this be with our knight and seer made to stay cadavers? Certainly not one the Alpha timeline would allow. And as Terezi sees that this is a the outcome of the actions of her failing to stab Riska, this page has a link to a password page on it. The, the art is another one of those pages that has three panels that you scroll down through. Um, the first one being the flipped coin. The second one being the panel that we've already seen where Vriska sort of like turns her back to Terezi and waves. But this time we right. see Terezi using mind powers with the like um, Karkat and Terezi dead um, image sort of in the background. And then just a close up on Terezi's hand on the cane and it's like again like very punchy images sort of all together that you scroll through and like using that as a a pacing device Um, sort of like slowing things down because the next page is the sword going through Vriska's chest like very like yeah final like 
impactful. Uh, and and we'll get to what's happening in the upper panels, but this page of the sword going through Vizca's chest is undercut by uh, who's this? shit getting shot with a machine yeah, gun. Yeah, by um, quarters who is the 14 ball of the felt that we never saw in the intermission is just shooting this shit out of spade slick with a Gatling gun. Yeah. I, I think it's a mini gun. You are correct. Thank you. I don't know guns. It's some kind of fast. What do you think I am? Gun. An American? Listen, I've played, sorry. I don't know. Team fortress two. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, as risk falls to the ground, stabbed, Carcat shows up behind Terezi and he is carrying a piece of cool kid merch where the cool kid is drawn, has been edited to look like Carcat. Uh, and it says in Gamzee's blood, uh, it, it's, it's Gamzee f- made Carcat think that Terezi wrote this and it says, bro, sloppy makeouts now on the roof. <laughs> well, it's written in Gamzee's um, quirk. So I don't think it in- was. Oh, but it's got the four and the three. Oh no, it it's written in Terezi's quirk. It's it's in Gamzee's quirk with the four and the three of Terezi. Uh-huh. So actually, what's happening is Gamzee here is threatening that he has killed Terezi, possibly? possibly. I think it's him trying to make him make Carcat think it is Terezi because he did the same thing with Terezi with Riska. Yeah. Right. Where it was like, yeah, I don't know. come to the room. Either way, Gamzee's manipulated this. Um, yeah. And then we also see that Kanaya and Solix are here on the roof, as is Gamzee with the Warhammer of Zillihu. But we should turn our attention to what's been happening upstairs. Yeah. So this whole time, unless someone else wants to take it. Go for it. In the upper panels, uh, Spade Slick has lit Doc Scratch's apartment on fire. Scratch pulls the like fire alarm and it makes matchsticks, who is the felt's 11 ball, show up with a fire extinguisher and he puts out the fire. Also, Clover is here for some reason, the number yeah. four ball who's incredibly lucky. Yeah. Don't worry about it. He sort um, of just dances around while we're talking about Vriska and luck and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, which I guess makes sense because he's the lucky one. Yeah. Um, Jack throws the horse hitcher at matchsticks, which kills him. And then quarter flips the coin with the four and a 14 on it, um, which is happening on the pages where Terezi's coin is flipping for Vriska. Uh, the 14 lands up, which summons quarters who we haven't seen to this point. Um, quarters has a minigun and just kills the shit out of spade slick. And then we see that this is, a doomed timeline happening through mind powers the same exact way that Friska and Karkat's death was happening uh, as Snowman sees this. Um, and it sort of undercuts what we just saw happen with Terezi and Friska because it's happening again in a much stupider context. <laughs> um, Snowman shows up and kills Quarters before Quarters can kill Slick. Um, and then Slick and Snowman hate make out and... Uh, Doc Scratch adjusts the uh, upper panel or the um, narrow fenestrated wall away from this impropriety. Um, and then it show, shifts to showing Dave and Jade going frog hunting, but we will get to that later. Doc Scratch then ospitizes between the two of Snowman and Slick and shoes Snowman away. Yeah. Have we talked about the like um, felt coins? No. Cause- Bertman does have a, a uh, 
little explanation of them, which I feel like I didn't remember some of this stuff. Um, but each each coin has a pair of numbers on it, uh, usually separated by 10, but not all of them because that's not how the numbers work out. When you flip the coin, it summons the member whose number is face up from some place in space and time. If the opposite member, the one on the other side of the coin, is present during the flip, he trades places with that member, which is why Clover swapped for quarters when he flipped a 14. If you flip your own coin and the result is your own number, you die. As such, oh. uh, quarters get, gives his coin to Clover, who's so lucky he will never flip before. He uses it to summon quarters when things get too hot to handle. So the pairs are 1 and 11, 2 and 12, 3 and 13, 4 and 14, 5 and 15, 6 and 9, 7 and 10, and 8 and 8. It's not advisable to let Snowman flip her own coin. Hmm. Nice. I like that. That's cool. Don't know that it comes up that much, but it was a like good summary. It's of, a random cool concept. Yeah, a fun concept. Might design a D and D around it. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you already made the uh, capsule log bag of holding, which is pretty great. Yeah. I love boy. that. It's not practical, but it is fun. Anyways. So we get to see Vriska's chat log to John. It starts off the same as before with her being like, hey, you're heading into the blackout. But hey, don't worry about it. <laughs> Text me after, okay? I will be waiting. Yeah. We also get a really cool anime. I mean, there's there's more to Vriska's log, but before it gets too far in, we get this really cool animation of... Um, I'm assuming this is Doc Scratch's grandfather clock, yeah? Yep, because uh, in the panel before we see it ticking and talking, we can see that the um, John's breath symbol is on the face of the clock with the purple-orange split on it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so the animation is just the clock with its pendulum swinging and its handle ticking and talking back and forth between heroic and the gold and just in the purple reminiscent of the two ways a hero can die yep um also on this page the things vriska is saying about tavros is uncomfortable she says let me guess even after all my lessons you allowed yourself to get sucker stabbed right pretty lame i mean lucky for you it was lame i guess being lame pays off when dying a hero is what gets you killed if our hero of breath had reached god tier, he would have been completely indestructible. Well, damn, I forgot. I was going to stop ripping out that guy since he got stabbed through the chest and died. <laughs> Whoops. Jesus. That was you. You did that. He that was your stabbed. fault. I love the passive voice. Yeah, mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm, such mm-hmm. a like, oh, yeah, I did it. Like, I'm not going to think about it. It's crazy. It just happened like that. Like, <laughs> he ran into my knife. He ran into my knife ten times. <laughs> Bitch, you slapped him. Anyways. Vriska says um, she's going to fight Jack to wipe out all the bad things she's done. And if she dies, she thinks she'll die heroically in that fight. It's very interesting. The other thing that she says here is like, oh, hey, you should fucking kiss Rose so that, you know, she comes back to life, you know, because that's how that shit works. Don't be worried about it. Um, but then in telling John, in telling John to kiss another girl, she like, has like a moment of like, I'm not jealous. Why would I ever be jealous? Like, so, so crazy. 
Why would you even think that? And you can just see all date? of the eights popping up well, in her thing, which is clearly like, oh, okay, so you are actually upset about this. There is also um, Riska gives John the code for her dice and is like, make something cool with it. Uh, and on the page where Vriska is telling John to kiss Rose is the um, it's the in the upper panel it's Snowman and Slick hate kissing. They be making out, baby. And it's but yeah, so Vriska goes on just to a point where even she's like, I should probably just stop talking. Um, and then she's like, Hey, if we survive and meet up, you want to go on a date? Yeah. It's, uh, I don't know. It is a little sweet to see, like, right. having genuine feelings that aren't, you know, abject malice. Right. She's um, like, she's like, hey, do you want to go on a date? I would like to watch more Nick Cage movies, please. <laughs> Sorry. Any others which feature that rugged human with the long hair and wounded arm? You know, the one, the sweaty guy with the mutilated animal and the speech impediment. <laughs> Those would be tolerable to watch, I guess. Which uh, us three having now watched Con Air. We did watch together, Con Air. We did, in fact, all sit down and watch okay. Con Air. <laughs> the scene where the shootout is happening and he's just like, gotta find this syringe to get this guy get some insulin. Like, I need to like, help my friend. You are the main character of the film, sir. You are supposed to be paying attention to the plot. I need to do a side quest. Fuck. Hold on. No. The story mission is happening. Whatever. If I do not collect all 37 feathers, I will die. See, the the part I remember the most is when Nick Cage is like, oh, like talking to cannibal Steve Buscemi. He's like, oh, you're, you're fucking crazy, man. Steve Buscemi's like, I'm crazy. What are you, you know what I think is crazy? Working 50 hours a week for companies that hate you for minimal pay. And all of us on the cast are like, based, 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 based. Also, cannibal Steve Buscemi, like, did nothing that whole film he was he on did. a plane he had he some tea there. with a girl and fun. then he played dice in vegas at the end yeah that was it <laughs> he got he got his own ken doll and then he left uh, he, he he's saying he's got the whole world in his hands and that's what let him oh. escape he did do that he's got the whole world right oh that's an interesting thing the film is saying about religion okay sure um yeah. i said this when we watched it <laughs> yeah also uh Vriska's like hey sorry i would lie to you about your dad being dead i didn't want to be the one to tell you instead i let jade be the one to tell you because her bedside manner is so fucking great Vriska doesn't say that which, but it's no, funny yeah. oh it, which is so fascinating right because this is the first time Vriska has decided to not be responsible for something right Vriska Vriska is That's all right. about like well, I saw this was going to happen, and so I decided to be the cause of it. So here Riska is being like, I, I saw this was going to happen, and I didn't want to cause it. Which, like, yeah. is that character growth or cowardice? Yes. Both? Both. Poor Canelo's does. And then Riska's like, oh, shit, Terezi's here in her stupid roleplay outfit. All right, talk to you later. And we get the clock ticking for Riska. Yeah, because we're the, the other thing that you're seeing is just multiple panels of John about to try to kiss Rose and Vriska bleeding out after having right. been stabbed by Terezi. And as the clock ticks and talks, uh, Spade Slick destroys it with Crowbar's Crowbar, uh, getting our 1,001 out of 1,000 clocks destroyed. 
uh, as an intermission reference, and also keeping Vriska's death just. Because we need to have a narrative reason for Vriska still to be blameless. And the reason is extenuating circumstances confirmed her death was just. Now, do I personally think her death is just? Yes. But that's the point. Like, you're supposed to... She's the divisive character. She wants you to care about her, right? I think it is interesting, though, right? Because, like, Terezi isn't killing her for all of the horrible shit that she's done. No. Her death isn't just in that it's retribution for the things that she's done. It's it, it's a preventative measure. Yeah. Right? Which, like... Terezi solved the trolley problem. <laughs> multi-track drifting you kill the one person. <laughs> but but like right so there is that argument of like a Vriska yes. got sucker stabbed which we've already seen does not lend itself to like narratively impactful death right but also like the intent behind the death wasn't just so it was it was self-preservation right so, like, there are, like, arguments to be made that Vriska should have reincarnated if not for this interference. Um, and I think Wirtman also talks a little bit about, like, the kinds of deaths that we have seen in Homestuck and, like, who comes back versus who doesn't. And so, like, stepping outside into the more um, doyless perspective, right, the, the people who die permanently in Homestuck so far have been people who were either minor characters who the story was cleaning up, or they have been major characters who refused to mature and to grow into their uh, roles. And we've even seen a reversal of that, where a character who was growing into her role and maturing and was dead has come back to life. Yes, exactly. Um, so... There is the argument to be made that, like, we have been seeing growth from Vriska, and so, like, it's strange that she is permadead. But on the other hand, like, she has been one of the most resistant on that journey, like, because she believes that it's already done, right? Right. Mm -hmm. This is not the end of the story. This is not also, the end of the story. it puts Vriska on a very interesting narrative arc, because... We've talked about how death in Homestuck is irrelevance. And that is the one thing that Vriska cannot deal cannot with. Abide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so now we have a character who is dead and therefore irrelevant who needs to matter. And how do Boy. you think she's going to react to that? Can't wait. Yeah, so, you know, Vriska's dead. One track mind, one track heart. If I fail, now she's I fall failed. Apart. Just because we had talked about that, I wanted to bring that back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. That no, was good. No. Uh, yeah. On the other hand, though, like we've talked about, like the dream bubbles seem like they are built to be places of stagnation, where you don't right. change. You just frozen that way forever. But leave it to Vriska to find a way. You think Vriska's not going to claw her way out of hell? Oh yeah. We do get um, a, a dead page for Friska. Well, yeah. So so from this point, we have three plots ongoing. Yes. 
We get the dead tag for Vriska, but let's talk about that plot last because that's the one that continues the longest and has the most going on. So, in the upper panels, uh, Dave and Jade are going frog hunting. It's cute. And then Beck Noir shows up because he's already killed two kids. And he's like, well, I might as well kill two more, baby. Uh, And the two of them fight him, which is helped by him not being able to kill Jade. However, eventually Jade... Oh, we get to see uh, frame motifs used here. Um, And then, what is it? Adagio Redshift is the one that's used. Um. And then uh, at one point, Jade shoots Beck or Jack and Jack teleports the bullets behind Jade and they go right into Dave and Dave dies. Yep. Our second plot line, uh, Scratch takes the till death manual, uh, which is the scrapbook and beats up Spade Slick with it, um, which sends the panels flying all over Scratch's apartment. Yeah, and for a moment, the TikTok turns into break heads. Yes. And and here you find the mental images that have been dancing in my head uh, this past week with uh, the first week of school starting and working at the campus bookstore and kids not knowing how to fucking buy books. <laughs> Give the freshmen a break. I refuse. We have signs all over the goddamn store. They can learn how to read. That's why I ordered all my books online. Uh, It it doesn't happen. As someone who works in a library, you can put it whatever signs you want. Customers don't know how to read. Anyways. So we get the, um, the line from Doc Scratch as he's done beating up Spade Slick. You are not supposed to kiss her, Mr. Noir. And then we get the very aggravated text we've only seen twice before in the comic. And he says, You're supposed to kill her! That peaked. I hope my parents don't think I'm weird. weird. I'm sorry, Sam. You're hoping your parents don't think you're weird? No, they already know. It's their fault. Let's be honest. Uh, Sam, I think that's one of the things they love the most about you. Oh, thanks, Bastion. I think they would say the same thing. Yeah, on on this page you get a collection of just images of all of the. We'll we'll get to the corpse. We'll get to the four times car- corpse mooch combo in a second. Yeah, the thing we're we're separating all of the stories into their individual bits, but the thing is, each page does link with each other in a very right. specific way that does really work together very well. It's difficult to keep them all straight and. The experience of reading this is something very interesting. I will say that. Then Doc Scratch says to Slick, um, now leave and never darken my door again. Um, and sends yeah, Slick he, off, he, presumably he gives, to kill Snowman. He gives he gives Spade Slick his gun. Yes. His doodly firearm. Because <laughs> we get another Sweet Burn Hello Jeff reference. Mm-hmm. Um, on the page that Dave is dying on. Uh, and uh, as a reminder... Killing Snowman ends the universe. Bum, bum, bum. So, yeah. So, Vriska gets a dead tag, and John then responds, and is like, Vriska, wait, hold on. And then, like, is messaging from Rose, and then messages from his account, and he's like, hey, wait. um, Yeah, I do. I would go on a date with you. I have so many Nick Cage movies. Um, I don't even care that you're an alien. <laughs> I can't wait to talk to you in the future. Bye. And then... Carcat using Vrizga's 
thing pops in is like, oh god, oh my fucking hell, this is so insanely awkward and sad. <laughs> what is? This oh. is? It's so funny though. It's very good. John's all, hey Vriska, yeah, I'd go on a date with you. Vriska, I have so I'd love many to go Nick... on a date with you. Wow, that's sad. Well, I have so many Nick Cage movies. Let's talk about, yeah. And Karkat's like, oh fuck, y'all didn't actually like each other, right? And John's like, yeah, we did. Why? And Karkat's like, never mind. We have more important things to talk about. And just completely, <laughs> completely, completely is like, oh yeah, Vriska's alive. Don't worry about it. Uh, yeah, John, don't worry about it. Vriska will definitely text you back. <laughs> uh, which you know eh. you know Karkat he's a romantic <laughs> yeah they bring up the shipping chart again and Karkat's like stop fucking talking about my shipping chart Karkat has the correct opinion of the shipping chart <laughs> uh, which is that it's, he knows it's full of shit because he made it oh yeah well, past him made it, and past him is full of shit. Well, yeah. All right, so Karkat's like, hey, uh, you got to go do the scratch. I need um, you sharp, buddy. I need I you I can't wait. tell you about this because I need you to be paying attention. Uh, so he's like, yeah, go do the scratch. John here messes up the HTML coloring on the word of the tumor, which is good because uh, it's on a black background, and if he had done it correctly, we wouldn't be able to see it. <laughs> seen it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we're still in Scratch's apartment. It's funny. I liked it. Carcat's like, oh, yeah, I just got done dealing with Gamzee. Uh, and he says, like, let's see. Carcat says he just got done, quote unquote, dealing with Gamzee, who, quote unquote, was his best friend. And he doesn't want to talk about it. He also says it's a troll thing humans wouldn't get. So, like, what happened there? Did Carcat kill Gamzee? That's kind of what is sort of implied. But also, I doubt it. I assume Gamzee is dead. I don't know who killed him. I would doubt that Carcat killed him because I love the guy and I'm sure he has bloodthirsty tendencies in him, kind of, sort of. I don't see him killing Gamzee, though. Um, he's surrounded by at least two other lesbians who are much better at killing than he is. Um, but, yeah. The thing I, I really like was, like... Um, Karkat's like, oh, Gamzee, my very good friend, who's this lovely boy, I don't know. Or, and, and John even says, like, I thought Terezi was your best friend. And Karkat's like, I don't know, I guess my best friend is really just the guy who I happen to be feeling the most sentimental to at the moment. Is that a fucking crime? And John's like, no, man, I, I get it. Anyways, let's get down to business and do battle. To defeat the uh -oh. Huns. John gets on another tangent and he's like, wait, is Rose okay? And on this page, we see a whole bunch of panels. Uh, we see Rose uh, waking up on Durst and the grim dark energy is like leaving her. And Karkat's like, yeah, she's fine. She woke up on Durst because that's what happens when you kiss a dead dream self. Honestly, it's like so weird you guys got this far in the game without knowing. And didn't even realize that. Yeah. And, and John says, oh, so it wouldn't have worked on my dad then? Yeah. And then they go on a tangent <laughs> about kissing Mom Lalonde. Which, uh, listen, uh... Well, she is a very pretty lady. Uh, she but that is. seems like listen. a really inappropriate thing to think about, Carcat. Fair enough. I don't think it was Carcat that was thinking about it. <laughs> Somebody mm -hmm. was thinking about it. <laughs> I just think she's neat. Mama Long. That was like an episode three joke. That was... No, yeah. perfect. It's such a good one, though. <laughs> like... 
I like Mom Luand. I thought she was cool. I also like Mom Luand, but for other reasons. I mean, I think she's cool, and I want to kiss her. <laughs> Fair enough. Rose, you want a new mom? <laughs> okay, all <Anyway>. right. Settle <laughs> down. I'll support you in all your goth, like... <laughs> And then Rose would be like, and uh, no, you're lying. You bronze this vacuum. <laughs> and then, oh yeah. And then John's like, uh, yeah, I should go talk to Jane. And Karkat's like, you should sit your ass down and do the fuck what I tell you the fuck to fucking do. And then Karkat's like, yeah, you know, Jade and Dave uh, for fighting Jack Noir and Dave died. And John's like, I should go fight Jack. And Karkat's like, John, do you want to fucking die a heroic death? Stop. You're like practically chomping at the bit to die permanently. You're Stop doing heroic stuff. John keeps saying these things. I'm like, oh, I should go do this thing so I can go help people. And Carcat's like, stop it. You will die. And you'll stay dead. You got lucky this time because you died like a chump. But. Yeah. Carcat also says, um. And Dave ran into Jack, which I'm sure he must have saw coming because I've never seen anyone exploit time travel so shamelessly as him, not even Aradia. Um, <laughs> so she and Dave fought with him a while, and long story short, he died. Which, like, was Dave planning to, like, self-sacrifice suicide himself to Jack? My boy! Stop! Big yike. Dudes will really sacrifice themselves to an omniscient evil dog instead of going to therapy. <sighs> sure do, man. I just really like the line when um, John's like, oh, yeah, uh, exploits time travel so shamelessly, not even Aradia. John's like, Aradia? And Karkat's like, another dead troll, who cares? John gives a little frowny face and Karkat goes, stop frowning, she was already dead before she died. <laughs> 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 Which is... I love that. I love yeah. The troll bullshit can be obnoxious sometimes, but every so often it pays off in a very funny way that I do really enjoy. The troll bullshit is free. The troll bullshit will cost you everything. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. And then and then Karkat's like, yeah, Jade kissed Dave while Jack watched like a creep. And John's like, it's like the shipping chart. And Karkat's like, yep. shut the fuck up about the shipping chart. And this is the same page where we get all of the pictures of all of the different, like from uh, uh, Scratch's uh, yeah scrapbook all the pictures of everybody making out this is the page that we're talking about the shipping chart the scratch book yeah the, scr the scratch book oh that's so good oh i love it anyways um, um car cat says he's talked with jade across the whole spread of the kids timeline um which as a reader i'm sort of inferring starts with the message me when your robot explodes bit um and now Carcat has to put some things into motion, like getting John to do the scratch. The whole vibe through this bit, which we're not conveying well because it's Again, loopy yeah. town here, apparently. This, this is something that you have to like experience to get the full effect of. The whole vibe through this bit, through the end of this section, is like, yo, shit is getting in gear. The plot pieces are falling oh, yeah. into place. The scratch is happening. Like Everything is about to come together. It's like, about to go down. Yeah. And it'll still be a few hundred pages. <laughs> Dramatic irony. Dramatic irony. Building tension. Building tension. Like. Um, right. Because either Rose or Dave is going to deliver the tumor. And because neither has a dream self, that's now a permanent suicide mission. Yeah. Baby. Because they got revived as their dream selves. They, not, they don't have anything to sacrifice. 
they will very likely die, whoever delivers the tumor. Um, but yeah, with, with all of this, like, oh, you know, everything's happening. I think maybe that's... Uh, any conversation with Carcat is immediately three times longer than a normal conversation, which I think kind of helps with, like, slowing this down a little bit. It's not so, like, we gotta go, we gotta go, everything's happening, yeah. like... Like, even when Carcat's like, shut the fuck up and do what I tell you, like, he's gonna take five paragraphs to tell you something. And so, like, it, it, that that kind of helps with the effect of everything. Yep. So, John has to wait for Jade to get him the quills of Echidna so he can do the scratch, which, like, that's one of the things the bunny had. Why do we gotta wait for, for that from Jade? Um, and after she does that, Jade is in charge of making sure that the humans survive the scratch. Um, and uh, the plan revolves around a what Carcat calls a yellow lawn ring because it's it's a yard and it's like a yard, a yard around a your house. Yard. Yeah. Yeah. The golden yard. No, it's a golden rule, you which might be a yardstick. Yeah. Which is, yeah, that's the thing that, you know. You, if you've gotten this far in the podcast, you know what we're talking about. The fucking hussy thing. Yeah. So we'll find out what it means. But yeah, that's where Frog God has to go. Is that what the... Yeah, the, the yeah. God can't survive in this pond, but across a yellow yard, it will uh, squat and hopefully release the vast croak. Which Indeed. the vast croak is maybe a term we haven't even heard yet, but whatever. That is the thing that will hypothetically create the next universe that hypothetically these kids will then rule. Yeah. Um, the destruction of the green sun will be big enough that it can be seen from the sessions. So the plan is for all the trolls to meet up with the kids out there in the furthest ring. Um, the human session will be wiped out by the scratch at that point, so they can't meet up there. Jade found this out because Jade's been, been spending a lot of time sleeping. Thank you, Vriska. What? Vriska's been putting her to sleep. Oh, yeah. The kids are going to escape to the rebooted session through the yellow yard, and then we'll be able to guide the trolls there. Um, and presumably, there are alternate universe versions of the kids in that new session who won't know anything about these kids. And John thinks that's really weird. And on the, uh, is it too early to do this? It's not. On the page where they're talking about this, one of the panels that is like spread around besides the shipping chart and uh, Dave and Aradia holding Jack is in the background. There's a page from Act 2 with only one, uh, one tiny bit of it visible. It's the page from when Rose is looking at the meteor monitor. And the little bit that's visible is the Incipisphere map with eight planets. Carcat's uh, like, oh yeah, John, get your shit in gear, get ready to do the scratch. You got my first conversation with you to wait around for. And John's like, I'm so oh, excited. Boy. And Carcat's like, you shouldn't be. Don't be. Uh, and then Carcat's like, man, guy, I'm I'm pretty sure I deep down, I never really hated you. I'm pretty sure I was just like, okay with you all along. And John's like, Thanks, Karkat. And Karkat's like, that wasn't a fucking compliment. <laughs> uh, and that's where we end this section. Which I love so much. Which is why I... Yeah, yeah. It's good. It's good. I like it. Yeah. You uh, you got any guesses about those alternate universe kids? I mean, the only thing I can tell you is, like, 
because we we made the four kids, but we also made the four guardians. So I would imagine something there because there are technically eight of them, I guess. And we've got letters from Jade's pen pal. Yeah, her grandson. We'll get there. Um, and then the the very last page is just Scratch saying, the scrapbook is now in hopeless disarray. Feel free to examine the clippings while I tidy. And the, the, the panels sort of come together uh, into a single piece. I, I do like how this section we picked crescendos from having one storyline to having three storylines going on. It is good. It is also overwhelming. It can be kind of difficult to juggle all of those at once. It's interesting. And I do like the way that it's played. Cause I do think like the way they will be like, Oh, you know, these people are kissing and then here's all these photos of kissing. And then we're talking about kissing in the thing. I need. Like there, there will be sort of linchpins between the three that it's like, okay, here we go. Even if they feel completely discordant with each other, they do kind of align in a way that feels correct. Um, but it can also be very quickly overwhelming of just like, Oh God, uh, what's, uh, shit. I haven't, Oh wait, hold on. Trying to track all of the different things, get my red string board out. And next time we have like seven different plot lines operating at once because the scrapbooks in hopeless disarray. Fun. Next time is also taking us up to right before Cascade, 3874 through 4108. That is about 300 pages. Jesus. Fuck, Sam. Why? Because we want to hit 1025 on 1025. And also because the narrative does things that are hard to break up into even chunks. Yes. The narrative does some things that are real hard to break up into chunks. All right. Um, but next time, we got to align the rest of the pieces before the scratch happens. So let's do that. Let's get Troll next time Gigas. we find out more about Troll Ancestor. Yeah, Troll Gigas happens next time. We get uh, oh boy. Doc Scratch is a creepy guy who keeps little girls in his attic. Um, All right, Rochester. Is this, is this surprising? No. Uh, what else? Andrew Hussey makes their grand re-entrance into the story. And a five times showdown combo. You can find us on social media. We're on Tumblr at Serious Business Pod. We're on Twitter at Serious Bus Pod. You can find Ari on TikTok at Ghost in the Bathroom. Uh, and, uh, you can leave us a review on your podcast app of choice. Or leave us your favorite copy pasta. We don't really care much either way. Uh, yeah. Oh, also, I, I just feel the need to say this. I know this is in the past by the time we're listening to this, uh-huh. but uh, My Chemical Romance is currently on tour. And I don't know if you guys saw the photos, but Gerard Way was on stage as a cat boy, and it was the best. He had a tail, he had ears, he drew on whiskers. It was. It was phenomenal, and I'm very happy about it. And uh, as this is the Catboy approved podcast, I just I felt the need to say, to 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 remark it, and uh, to acknowledge its wonderful, beautiful, blessed existence. Jardway is serious business approved. <laughs> 
Um, that's a podcast. Hey, guys, I'm glad we actually recorded, but I did have the idea to just read Tumblr posts about the queen being dead. <laughs> I think that would be fun. Do you have a few that you would like to read right now? Yeah, the one I just read, the one at the top of my dash right now is is just a picture of her, which claims to be pro-life on on it. So like classic meme. <laughs> claims to be pro-life, dies anyway. Uh, we've got a Spotify playlist titled 9822 with a description, let's go, which is... Um, what? Ding dong, crab the witch rave. is dead? Oh, crab rave. The queen is dead by the Smiths. Ah! Ding dong, the witch is dead. The Irish national anthem. The Scottish national anthem. Yes. Oh, I love that. That's so good. Also, uh, there was one I saw, which was the West End shows of Les Mis and Hamilton both being like, we are incredibly saddened to hear the Queen is dead, which is hysterically funny because those are both very anti-monarch uh, shows. Oh, yeah. Sorry, Hamilton, the the sort of villain of George yes. III, is literally yes. her ancestor. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, sorry, what were you saying about Domino's? Uh, Domino's Pizza UK. Everyone yes. at Domino's joins the nation and the world in the morning of Queen Elizabeth III. Our thoughts and condolences are with the royal family. Retweeted by Domino's Pizza Ireland. Not us. Not us? <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, we have the D-Steel, I love you, and the response is, there's at least five different versions of this meme this on meme my on. dash right now. Yep, 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 yep. Oh, the best one that I saw uh, has no caption on Dean's response whatsoever, and you just see the superimposed image of Crab Rave. <laughs> anyway, I hope the Queen has an absolute awful time with Ronald Reagan. <laughs> uh, and... I wish Christopher Eccleston uh, a very lovely night. <laughs> one last one. It's the um, the Irish reunification strategy is going as planned. With the um, Star Trek, the, Star Trek the Irish yeah. unification of 2024. 2024 yes. Added, yeah. Do it while they're Which, not paying attention. I I only just today thought to look up when that episode aired. And it mm -hmm. was 1990. Like, fully eight Whoa. years before the end of the Troubles. Like, it was in the middle of the Troubles. Dang. Or like, fucking, yes, I will put a log on this fire. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, with that, listener, <laughs> hit next. <laughs>